It's time now for the PDXO WASP podcast, brought to you by the Open Web Application Security Project. The views of the guests do not necessarily represent the views of OWASP, their sponsors, and other stakeholders. Enjoy the show. Our honored guest today is Teresa Massey. She's the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Cybersecurity Advisor for Region 10, including Oregon, Washington State, Idaho, and Alaska. Ms. Massey was the first Chief Information Security Officer, CISO, for the state of Oregon, as well as the CISO for the Port of Portland for almost 15 years combined. We'll talk about some of the new bad actors and security threats that have emerged during the COVID-19 pandemic and what precautions you should take. Also, did you know that DHS offers remote pen testing, web and database vulnerability scanning, and other comprehensive security assessments that your organization may be eligible for free? Please listen to this podcast for additional details and contact information. Teresa Massey, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And as a federal employee, I want to start off by saying I hope everyone is staying healthy and following CDC guidelines, washing your hands frequently, sheltering in place, practicing social distancing, and wearing a mask when you're out in public. Very good advice. Teresa, you've held many important leadership roles in security, including CISO for the Port of Portland and for the state of Oregon for almost 15 years combined. Recently, you've taken the position of cybersecurity advisor for the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. What does this role entail? Well, as a cybersecurity advisor, I'm responsible for supporting Supporting the federal government as well as state, local, and tribal territorial governments and the 16 critical infrastructure asset owners through a variety of services and programs. So, my number one priority right now is I'm trying to raise awareness that I'm available and also what CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, um, cyber services are, so people are more familiar with them. I'm also responsible for conducting cyber risk assessments and helping organize and improve organizations, whether they're in the public or private sector, to increase their security posture. So I've been involved in a lot of presentations and speaking engagements. And of course, now most of them are virtual instead of being on site. Yeah. So let's take a step back. How did you ever get into security in the first place? Was this something that you've always wanted to do or was it happenstance? I would like to say I had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) But it was more like a long and winding road. At some point in my career, I was in business continuity planning, and then I transitioned to cybersecurity. So you never know where life will lead. New doors open up and lead to unexpected opportunities. And Teresa, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you said uh, we're all working uh, virtually from home now. What do you think is the greatest cyber threat that can happen to the everyday computer user? I think phishing is still the number one issue. It's so important for folks to have ongoing awareness training. So if their organizations provide that, I hope they still continue to do that, as well as conducting regular phishing exercises. Folks need to implement strong security controls hopefully using multi-factor authentication whenever possible, particularly for online banking and shopping, because a lot of folks now are are doing that because they can't go to the locations anymore. Also, I think a strong training program at work really helps folks to keep safe at home. And I hope that, that organizations are continuing to have those security awareness training and conducting phishing exercises because 
it's good to know those things for at work, but it's also things that we can use in our personal life. So I think it's so easy for folks now to, you know, they're getting so many emails, there's so many phishing things out there now that are around, you know, the coronavirus and, you know, the checks are going to be coming out from the feds pretty soon. There'll be so many scams going on that people may want to click on those, you know, those emails. So I hope that they think before they click. It's just so important. Is there a current scam that you've seen uh, with the uptick of the number of people working from home that's uh, at a critical point now? Well, I think there's just people are interested in getting information about the coronavirus, of course. And there's so many, you know, sort of bad actors out there that are taking advantage of that. I mean, you may get an email saying like, I think you might have been exposed to someone who had the coronavirus. I mean, there's just new ones coming out every single day. And people just need to be really, really cautious. If they don't know where it's coming from, or they're not sure, don't click on it. Always go to a reliable and known source, you know, the CDC or, you know, a state site to get their information. Over the years, I'm sure you've witnessed firsthand the ever-changing threat landscape from simple script kiddies to deadly advanced persistent threats, APTs of all the types of threats out there today. What keeps you awake at night? Well, personally, I worry about the future. As cyber is just so dynamic and it's changing so quickly, in particular, what concerns me is the impact of AI, artificial intelligence, the amount of misinformation that's coming out. I think folks can get really confused. They don't know what the truth is anymore. And that's why you need to go to reliable sources and also the proliferation of deep fakes. I mean, when you can start to do that, then it, you know, the opportunity for misinformation just you know, it just expands at a horrible rate. And also, not surprisingly, the internet of everything. I mean, more and more things are connected to the internet. It's just an opportunity for things to get hacked. So I, those are the things that keep me awake and that make me concerned. For the simple user at home, computer user right now, what can they do, especially if they're non-technical, prevent themselves immediately from cyber threats? Do you recommend VPNs? What is the most simplest basic solution for current protection? Well, I think, as I said, first of all, be careful about phishing. Think twice before you click on something. I agree with you. You know, there's lots of VPNs out there. Some of them are, you know, either free or inexpensive. Think about implementing that. Use multi-factor authentication for everything that you can, certainly for your banking and your online shopping. And remember not to share, like a lot of people sometimes, particularly now, they're using their own devices for work because maybe their organization didn't have enough corporate laptops or whatever. So that's introducing a lot of risks for businesses to be sure. But for folks, I think be sure that you need to be careful about where you're sharing on social media. I think privacy is a huge concern and has been, but some folks are pretty free and easy about what they put out on social media. So I think you need to think about that. Try to implement strong security controls, you know, that come with applications or or come with your, your hardware. Remember to change your passwords frequently and make them strong. Be sure and patch your systems on an ongoing basis. I think this is really important. And because so many folks have, you know, things that are connected to the internet, be careful with those devices, implement as much security as they have on them. And, you know, be sure and change those default passwords that come with the, you know, with all of these various devices that folks are are getting. I think it's just, you know, really look at, at practicing good cyber hygiene. It's just, 
so important now more than ever. We had a recent discussion at an OWASP meeting about the expected shortage of people in security, and some are estimating up to millions of jobs will be vacant. What advice would you give someone who's interested in getting into security and any life lessons to share here? I think what they should, in my opinion, I think they should do a lot of research online and discover all the various aspects of, of cyber and determine what looks interesting. There's so many different jobs within the area of cybersecurity. I mean, maybe you want to do some pen testing or some threat hunting or, you know, get into security architecture. I mean, there's just so many different types of jobs. So I think it really behooves people to, you know, to, as I said, first of all, do some research. Second, I think if you, if they're working in an organization that has some IT and infrasecurity folks, go and talk to them, you know, talk to them about what they're doing and how they do it and how did they get into it. And I think that, you know, if, if they feel that this is an area that they're interested in or whatever particular aspect is of, of interest, then you'll start by taking some basic cyber courses, either online or, or at their community college. And I think folks don't always need to have a really strong technical background because there's a lot of areas in cybersecurity where you're dealing with, you know, senior management. I think being able to translate the technical into the business is really important too. So as I said, I think there's a vast number of areas that folks can explore. And as you've noted, there are just lots and lots of jobs in this area and lots and lots of things that you can move around in, you know, once you're, once you're on that team. So yeah. I saw a great interview. You were talking about that cybersecurity is not just about security and technology, but it's there's this whole business aspect to it. Can you elaborate on that? One of the things that we always need to remember in technology and in information security and cyber is that we exist for the business. Our role is to try to identify risk and you know make or help the business folk to understand what those risks are. Because at the end of the day, the business is responsible for identifying what level of risk they're willing to accept. It's not up to IT. It's not up to information security. It's up to the business because they are responsible for running the business. And so our job is to keep them aware. Our job is to help them understand the risks. Our job is, you know, is to help them understand how we can help to mitigate those risks. And their job is to make the decisions. So I think if you can, you know, for folks who have, you know, are really good at, being able to do that translation, being able to identify what the risk is, being able to help the business folks understand it so that they're making rational and logical decisions and understanding the implication of those decisions. I mean, that's that's a huge area because sometimes that's a big disconnect between the folks who are more technical with being able to do that translation so that the business folks understand this is what we're recommending. This is why we're recommending it. At the end of the day, you folks need to make the the decisions. It's like the fundamental training 101. It has to come from top down within that organization for it to work at all. Yep. And I think sometimes technical people get so wrapped around the technical aspects and they understand why things need to be done, but the business doesn't understand. You know, when security folks or IT folks are asking for more funding for something, they really like, oh, we need, you know, we need to do multi-factor, you know, authentication. You know, what's that? (laughs) You know, they don't understand why that's going to be helpful. You know, that that security isn't a cost, it's an investment and how it's going to help their business, you know, to be able to help business folk understand that. I mean, that's, that's really golden and and it's really needed. And I think a lot of organizations struggle when they can't when they are not unable 
to do that translation. Uh, Teresa, when you're not tracking down cyber criminals and giving great advice, what do you enjoy doing in your spare time? Well, I like hiking. I really love gardening. I like to be outside, but I also like reading. I like to read a lot and I like to listen to classical music. Oh, some great hobbies. Yeah. Thank you, Teresa. I know you were going to be doing, you were going to be the keynote speaker for the upcoming Data Connectors Portland Cybersecurity Conference on the 16th. Is that still happening or is that going to go virtual or what? It's going to go virtual. And unfortunately, I won't be able to participate this year, which is really frustrating for me because I was really looking forward to it. But I did want to share that I think they're going ahead with it. It's just going to be virtual. So hopefully I'll be able to to be there next year or at least listen to it virtually. And do you have anything yourself coming up to promote or, or even including your services at the Department of Homeland Security? Well, CISA has a lot of cyber programs and services that I think are really beneficial and really important. And what I really want to emphasize to folks is that all of the services and programs that the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency offer are free. And a lot of organizations just don't have the funding or the resources to do a lot of the, you know, they don't have the money to be able to go out and purchase those. So, and just to give you an idea of some of the things, we do vulnerability scanning. Again, it's for free. And I would even recommend this to folks who either do their own or if they're paying an outside organization to do this, it never hurts to have another set of eyes on it. We do remote pen testing. Again, folks may be doing it themselves or paying somebody. We do it for free. We have a variety of cyber assessments that we do, and I would really recommend that to folks. Doing assessments on a regular basis, I think, can be really helpful. I realize they're just a point in time, but I think that we have some that are, we have a variety of assessments. So some of them are really comprehensive and some of them are a little lighter. So we kind of have something that sort of fits what makes sense to a particular organization. We have malware analysis. We have network risk and vulnerability assessments. We do incident response exercises, and we have a variety of, and we can also help folks if they are experiencing some kind of a cyber breach. I mean, we have resources that can help them. And so I really want them to to take advantage of that. So I would encourage folks to contact me to learn more about these. And and we have other offerings too, and see what makes sense for them and, and take advantage of these great resources. I mean, even though they're free, they have some really excellent folks back. Some of these are offered through our CISA headquarters in DC, but just some really outstanding people and they just do a super job. So as I said, you know, let me know, you know, call me, contact me somehow, and I will be happy to share what we have. And as I said, if something makes sense, take advantage of it. That's great, Teresa. Is there a link we can visit or uh, what would be a way to get other information? The best thing to do would be to contact me. So it's Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, dot masse m-a-s-s-e at cisa c-i-s-a dot d-h-s dot g-o-v or they can call me i'm at 503-930-5671 either way love to hear from all right thanks again Teresa. great information i was not aware of those services you guys offer that's amazing for small businesses especially the scanning (laughs) i just got all excited with the scanning yeah, it is. I mean, it's really great. You get a weekly report. And I mean, it's just, I mean, it's really super. I mean, if, if folks are interested, I can send them, you know, I have some slides. I can show them what some of this looks like. And the assessments are really good too. You get some really good reports that come out of it. And just to let folks know, the, the assessments are not an audit. They're an assessment. So, and really want to stress to folks that 
I know some some people are a little concerned about sharing <laughs> information with the feds, but we are absolutely committed to not sharing information that is gathered when we do an assessment. I mean, it is strictly, is we share it with no one. It can't be used for FOIA requests or any other kind of requests from either the federal, state, or local government levels. We absolutely can consider it to be sacred. So I think folks can have a level of comfort knowing that when we do an assessment that we are not going to share their information with anybody. And I think that is so valuable. Those services that you're talking about are extremely expensive. And for the smaller industries or, or, or companies out there, this, I think, would be a, a welcome chance to just at least get an idea of what their security profile is. Sure. And I mean, this isn't, as I said, some of these are, assessments are pretty comprehensive. So I mean, we do these for a lot of larger organizations, you know, particularly larger organizations or even mid-sized organizations. And I will say right now, we're very focused on the 16 critical infrastructures, you know, which tend to be like, no surprise, healthcare, finance, water, energy, transportation. Um, so those are really what CISA is focused on, critical infrastructure. And of course, our number one priority right now is coronavirus. So uh, we're trying to trying to stay on top of that and help folks out and get information out as much as we can. Teresa, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again, Teresa. Wonderful information. Thank you. To hear this podcast again, visit anywhere a podcast is played. For more information, go to owasp.org forward slash www forward slash chapter forward slash Portland.